Welcome to Changing Reels, a podcast that aims to change the conversation on diversity and representation in cinema, one reel at a time. My name is Courtney Small. I write about film for several publications, including ThatShelf.com, where this show is hosted, and Cinema Access, to name a few. I'm also the co-host of the podcast, Frameline. Today, I'm joined by fellow Rotten Tomatoes-approved film critic, Heidi Morales. Heidi is an art and culture critic over at HeisMusing.ca and has contributed to various sites, including In the Seats. If you need recommendations on which buzzworthy theatrical production to check out or maybe the hottest film or art exhibit that isn't on your radar but should be, Heidi is definitely your go-to resource for that. Heidi, how are you doing today? I'm well, thank you, Courtney. How are you? Ah, not too bad. For listeners, we are recording this in advance, so the COVID-19 crisis may or may not be dealt with by time this is released, and I have a feeling we will still kind of be in it, so I'm hoping all of you guys are well and that your loved ones are, are doing well also. Our main film for today is the 2002 coming-of-age drama Real Women Have Curves, directed by Patricia Cardoso. Based on the play by Josefina Lopez, the award-winning film follows 18-year-old Anna as she navigates her own ambitions and her overbearing mother Carmen, who has a different view on what path her life should take. Heidi, do you want to kick us off with your initial thoughts on this film? Uh, sure. So thank you for suggesting the film. I had seen it many months ago, and it kind of brought it back on my radar. And it made me realize how strong of a film it really is. I took a peek at some of the critics' responses when it first came out, I think in the early 2000s. And some of them were giving it credit, but I think it went under the radar. And I think I appreciate it more now, given the casting and the fact that it it was based on a play and the playwright was also the person that wrote the script. I just thought it was uh, it was stronger than I actually thought originally. This was probably the first time and I was I want to say 16 years that I had rewatched the film and for me it still holds up. I was watching it with my wife. For her it was the first time and she wasn't that big a fan of this film. So it led to an unexpected conversation which is always good when a film can evoke reaction either way out of the, the audience. But for me I think this film really deserves a lot more praise and credit and I think the last time it was kind of brought up was back when around Lady Bird came out. And even then, I don't think people really gave it the, the respect that it deserves. You were mentioning that one of the things that you liked about it was the casting and the representation, especially now. Do you want to just dive into that a little bit more? I think it, we understand that there's a lot of films out there trying to showcase the Latin American experience. What I liked about this film is that it is, like you said, over, I don't know how many years old, <laughs> definitely over a decade and it does have a strong cast uh, it's an up-and-coming America Ferreira um, Carmen the mother is played by someone who, who a lot of us in the Latin American community know Lupe Ontiveros she was also the mother in the Selena film with J-Lo and we see George Lopez and it's also the fact that the cast or sorry the story centers on this family and also there are other background players like the love interest of Anna and Jimmy who's non-Latin American or non-Chicano, they're in the background. So we do really get an intimate look at this family portrait even though it is an, it's an up-and-coming young woman trying to explore her, you know, her future, but butting heads with her mother, it is sort of a nice look 
at the sort of family dynamics, if you will. That was one of the things that struck me this time as well. The family feels real. You know, the, the stuff that unfolds, the drama and stuff, to me, it all felt natural. And it was good to see this coming from Latinx perspective and not falling into a lot of the stereotypes that you often get with big budget Hollywood films. And it's funny because after watching this film, it made me want to revisit the recent USC Anberg inclusion study when they were talking about how Latino actors and just characters are underrepresented in Hollywood in general. And the study, I guess, came out in 2019, but they focused on films from 2007 all the way to 2018. And they were showing that majority of the films that come out, 25% of the portrayals are of criminals, 17% is lower income. And one of the things that really struck me was they said that in that study, I guess of the 36% of characters that have speaking roles and 60% of the top billed Latino actors or actresses that were depicted in these films, they were always presented as separate from their community. Whereas in this film, you you feel the sense of community. You you, you feel the culture in, in every every aspect of the film and it really plays into what happens to Anna in terms of like her choices and the difficulty and also with Carmen and Carmen's history like I I just thought it was really well done in in that regard like I felt I was thrown into that community and I was able to understand it you know embrace it love it Mm -hmm. for the what two hours that we're were treated to this film right yeah i think it's also because it's written in a very realistic way as well the dialogue is also natural so i think that also helps the film and what were your views on carmen maybe the first time or even now revisiting it because she's (laughs) she's very much the overbearing mother who is both loving and villainous in terms of her kind of sabotaging her daughter's ambitions and (laughs) career goals but she's a very complex character I'll I'll just put it she is very complex you know and I think being of that Latin American culture as a Latinx woman it is it is very relatable I mean I am lucky I will say that watching the film and seeing Carmen the mother I will say I am happy that my mothers because I have my grandmother and my mother who raised me were not like that (laughs) so the guilt tripping sure I think maybe that's just part of our culture many many moms do that but I found it you know close to some of the samples of other mothers that I've heard in our community and Carmen is very complex she she means well like she wants her she wants her to daughters to do well and and have a decent future but I think her view of what a good future is very different from what each of her daughters would like to have for themselves and that's where the the clash between her and Anna come into play because Anna is basically of two cultures if you think about it she's very much raised in a Mexican household but she's also American so she does have She's ambitious. She's smart. She has goals. She wishes she wa- she could go to university. And that's where her mother does not see eye to eye with her. So that makes Carmen really upset in some ways or feel like life has been unfair because she has had to work since the age of 13, I believe. And those are two different lifestyles when you think about it. And I think it's hard to put 
yourself as a daughter in your mom's shoes in some cases, and it's hard for the mother to put herself in her daughter's shoes as well. And that's a very good point because as much as Carmen loves her daughters, and you you know, there's a lot of emphasis on on helping out uh, the eldest daughter Estella with her business because she she realizes that the daughter is struggling, and you know, mm-hmm. as a family you help lift up those who are are struggling there is a bit of resentment lifelong resentment in the sense that as you said she's been working since she was 13 mm-hmm. her body is aching and she still has to work you know right. she she's got different pains whatnot and life is essentially kind of passing her by to the point where you know she's hitting menopause or probably had already hit menopause and only now starting to realize the effects of it and there's many ways where times where she's She's almost acting out partly for attention, but partly out of, as you said, it's it's unfair. Why is it that you guys get to have this experience when I worked hard and I, I never got that shot? You know, so I know when I was watching with my wife, my wife was a little put off by by Carmen because she's like, you know, as a parent, you always inherently <laughs> want the best for your your daughter. And I understand that view as well, but I still kind of felt for Carmen because she wants the best, but due to circumstance, she wasn't afforded those opportunities that her children have. And it's kind of tough to see people succeed and move on and possibly leave you behind when you're still kind of doing the same old, same old. Yeah, and I think just to add to that is that Carmen is also of two worlds in some sense because she's very much of a a Mexican woman, right, who grew up with limited means and is now in the States trying to provide for her family. And the struggles are very real. And that story hasn't changed even now in the 21st century. So I think for us who are sort of just watching this, and it, it, I kind of agree with what your wife is saying, you kind of want to support your children, but it's very different for some of the parents that come from another place and they have to transplant themselves somewhere else. You know what I mean? Yep, yeah, I completely agree. And it's interesting because being a, a mother, she knows exactly what needles to push for both her daughters and in many ways to get her daughters to kind of conform to her view of of the world or what she wants so with Estella it's she keeps prodding that Estella is is single it's like she's a lost cause at 29 she's not married she doesn't have a man so <laughs> I have to put my attention to Anna and I'm thinking well a 29 is not that old you, she, right. you know she's you don't necessarily need to keep prodding her like that but you know that's how she gets Estella to kind of pipe down and, and fall in line and with Anna it's, it's about her weight her her body shape if you were thinner Mm-hmm. You know, you might be able to find yourself a really good guy. And if you find a good guy, you won't have to work as hard as I've worked. You know, find find a man that will take care of you and that you can take care of him by doing the household. Stuff like that kind of old time view of a woman's place is mm-hmm. the kitchen and, and the kids. And it's it's interesting how she pulls out those little jabs whenever whenever she needs to. Well, for sure. I mean, those are the tools of those are her tools, right? Guilt, shame, you know, commenting on how attractive or not attractive you are. Unfortunately, that's not just Carmen, though. I think that's something that unfortunately women have kind of been raised with that a lot of us are trying to, you know, keep away from. But it is kind of a struggle for Carmen, though, I think, to find a way to relate to her daughters and express that she actually does care and love them. Yeah, and I'll say my one minor complaint with this film is that it's very much a, a film about family and body positivity, but I do feel that there's some 
sometimes where Cardoso or maybe it's Lopez's script tries a little too hard to humanize Carmen. For example, there's that great scene in the the factory when Anna's complaining about how hot it is because you know she's working ironing all these dresses. It leads to her taking off her shirt and her mom freaks out because you know you're, you're in a public place, you're in a workplace, how dare you? And then it evolves to all the women kind of taking off their clothes and just showing their various scars, their cellulite, and just kind of embracing what it is to be a woman. And then when Anna tries to t- lift up her mom's shirt, she sees the, the scar, which I'm assuming is from a, a C-section. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it, it, to me, it felt a little awkward because that entire time, Carmen's like, you women are crazy, you women are crazy. How dare you? How dare you? And then she's like, well, this one, this this is the pain of love, or I forget the exact terminology. Yeah, no, I hear you. Like, you, you, there's other moments in it where, for example, when Anna gets burned and you see Carmen sing her a song that I'm sure she sung to her many times when she was a kid and kissed the finger. Like, there's, there's tons of times where you do see Carmen being affectionate or, as we said, caring for her daughters. I just felt like there was a, f- a few moments in this film where they... They really try to force feed it, almost like they felt like, oh, we've taken her too far the villainous route, and I never got that. But I don't know. That maybe that's just my interpretation. But you know, maybe I didn't think of it that way. I actually thought, okay, you know, that that could be right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but again it, it's just a character that is some people will un- like or understand and others will be like oh my gosh she's not all that but she's also offering a a nice contrast to anna because as estella says you know carmen and anna are very similar in terms of their their stubbornness mm-hmm. their views of the world you know i like how you compared that they're both of of two worlds anna has big dreams of going to new york going to college she's clearly got the smart she looks at what her mom and her sister do as working in a sweatshop Mm -hmm. she's got a certain level of privilege even though anna might not see it i would say carmen brings a a bit of humanity to that type of work to show you that you know these are women who are providing for their family they're doing very good work there's an interesting through line about capitalism going on which we can dive into as well but i found that it's through carmen that anna really kind of sees the the factory for more than just it being a sweatshop. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, and I think there's also a, a scene with Estella where Anna comes across like she's a bit snobbish and she says something about her sister not being able to pay her for the work, right? And Anna has a bit of a tantrum and and calls it sort of like dirty work. Maybe paraphrasing. And that's when Estella had to stand her ground and say, no, you know, this is not dirty work. And, you know, that she mentions how proud she is of the skills that her mother has taught her and that for her to be able to run this business right so i think carmen is the principal person that shows anna the dignity and that's in the work and estella sort of is the supporting character that kind of also gives anna that perspective that yes you know she is the younger one with a little bit more privilege but she also has to remember where she comes from and that delicate balance i think the film handles very well because even though anna might feel that she's above her family in certain things there's still a lot of times where you see her connecting with family and still kind of understanding the importance of it i really liked her relationship with her her grandfather the fact that her grandfather is willing to you know cover for her and claim they're going out for a movie so that she can go meet a boy that's a cool grandfather that was not my grandfather (laughs) (laughs) but yes it does kind of it just brings us back to that point of how realistic families portrayed in in terms of latinx community we are tied to our grandparents quite a bit so it was nice to see that 
the father, the grandfather does live there with them. And I mean, that was my upbringing as well. I had both my grandparents, you know, from my mother's side around. So to me, having them around even now, it's kind of essential. Both the grandfather and the dad are portrayed really well in this film. They're loving individuals. Her, you know, dad is doing, I guess, lawn work, but he's still there for his daughter. He's the silent type, but he's not ignoring anything that's going on. When George Lopez's Mr. Guzman character shows up, he's the one that is a little more reasonable in talking to him. Like, you know, we yes, we want our daughter to go to college. We want the best for her, but unfortunately, we can't afford it. You know, that's part of the problem. And also, we don't want her going out of state because we want to keep the family close. I felt I could identify with him. Yeah, I did like the male characters in the in the in the family as well. They were engaged with the family. They were, like you said, they were not absentee. And and sometimes, I mean, in the Latin community, there's obviously fathers that are more overprotective than others. But I liked how in this family they were a little bit more balanced, and that one. And the father saw the potential in Anna and in pursuing, I guess, her dreams, even if she's 18, right? I mean, her dreams could change, but he could see that there is potential in allowing her to have a little bit of freedom. And I would say that the only other male character in this film of, of note is Jimmy. And I thought Jimmy was, was an interesting character in the sense that he's very nice and respectful to Anna, but you also see a bit of the, the cultural privilege in some of the stuff that he says, like to him, where they live in California is just, everything is so easy. Everything thing is handed to you you know and he's he's looking for a challenge in life and only a character like jimmy <laughs> could be afforded that for like only he could have the car be able to bring a girl to his house and like you know have no issues all this freedom and just be life is so easy when you see what anna has to go through and what her family goes through just to to survive on a daily basis and her having to to navigate that world as well felt very real and something that i think most minorities can kind of identify with yeah and i think that's like you mentioned it's relatable to a lot of us who may come from different ethnicities in that well we might have come across friends who just didn't have the same experiences growing up so it's it's not even a thought to them right that things would not be handed to us easily so it is interesting to see her navigate try to navigate those two worlds but she's also 18 so it seems like she's also handling it appropriate for her age you know as an 18 year old she has a lot to learn but i still found that she was a very well-rounded character you see in her relationship with Estella, how Estella's managing her own contract business, but doesn't quite have the freedom that Anna could potentially have if she if she just goes that next step. Yeah, exactly. I like the sisters' relationship as well, because they also have a little bit of a divide in how each of their lives, I guess, has kind of turned out. I mean, Estella is 29 and she's trying to be an entrepreneur, but she is limited by her means. And I think sometimes Anna wants to be helpful, but sometimes she doesn't really exactly know what that would be like, what or how she could help. Mm -hmm. Estella is a character that I, I kind of wish we got more of. Like, I know this, the central conflict is between Anna and Carmen, but I found Estella just so fascinating in the sense of how she has to navigate both her sister and her mother, who are essentially the same person but mm -hmm. you know just depending on the time but then she's also a person who has big dreams of her own like she wants to design and make her own dresses that will be sold and it's mm -hmm. there's that scene that i found a little heartbreak even though i completely understand it from a capitalist perspective Estella's explaining to anna that they, they make these great dresses they put such detail in paid like 18 dollars to make this dress and then that dress gets turned around and sold in stores for 600 right you know and you think about a lot of the stuff that we've 
buy as consumers and you know how we go to certain stores because of the quote-unquote quality and whatnot not really thinking about who's making it or how much it actually caught to be made right and Estella can't even get a loan from the one providing the contract so that she can cover the light so that she can make these mm-hmm. dresses right like she's she's in a, a really tough perpetual cycle right but you don't get the sense that she'll be able to break out of it as easy as Anna's being able to break out of her environment it's true and it like you said that is a whole other story that we could explore that just wasn't very I guess obviously for time limitations you can't really explore all the characters but you can almost from what you've even said just now you can basically figure out Estella's character as well she is somebody who's also struggling and it's it's an important character in the family because she does in some way provide for the family with this business that she has even if it is limited right yeah and there's also a sense of classism because the woman that Estella is getting the contract from she's essentially from the same community oh she's Latinx as well yeah yeah and when they go to ask her for a little bit more money she she's very condescending to them i helped you because out of obligation i've now crossed over i am now part of the for lack of a better word elite and you now have to follow my standards and it's you're thinking well stella's she's doing the hard work she's essentially you but without the means yeah but i mean that's also very prevalent in in our cultures as well where there you know there's a clear divide of us versus them and a lot of it is because of um, finances, like some people have more means and than others, and they feel like they are in their right to treat people that way. And I guess people who are working class or lower are supposed to be grateful for, for those opportunities, you know? So those are still issues that we still kind of have to work through. And I think it's themes like that which allow this film to transcend culture, regardless of whatever your background may be. You can watch this film and identify with every aspect of I would hope so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can't say how, how many people would discover it now, you know? Like you said, it, if it wasn't for the Ladybird situation where a lot of people were comparing Ladybird to themes and characters in this film, there hasn't been much buzz about the film since. Yeah, which also kind of speaks to Hollywood and just how slow it's been to get representation in general. Because when, when this film came out, it was Entertainment Weekly had declared it you know, one of the most influential movies of the 2000s. Get some awards at Sundance, and I think it snagged a few critics awards as well. But it was one of those films that gonna bring the Latinx community the to Hollywood who realized that hey there's a market for these films and then the well almost dried up instantly yes you have several Hispanic directors who have broken through into Hollywood but most of them have been male and I know that there's tons of female directors right now who are doing great work but not many of them are getting the Hollywood opportunity and I think it's also the types of films that are being made even if it is by Latinx filmmakers or you know Spanish speaking filmmakers right because sometimes you also want to appeal to a wider audience and it's sort of been the cycle of they make films that seem more accessible to the English-speaking community, right? So it's a little bit washed down, if you will. We talk about cinema as kind of like a universal language, but when it comes to Hollywood and people who have the money to make these films, they still want a particular type of film. And you go, well, that kind of defeats the, the whole purpose. Yeah, and I mean, I'll be curious to see what happens in general after this whole situation that we're living through, given that right now, a lot of film is on hiatus, right? 
So I think a lot of us are being forced to rediscover films. <laughs> I know I am because I am home and I need to social distance. So it's kind of allowing me to kind of go through catalogs and see, oh, you know, what are some of the films by filmmakers that I, I'm curious about? And hopefully that will inform the industry once we are able to get back to some kind of normalcy. Streaming services, you're going to probably see a lot more films go there, at least in the, the short term. I hope that we still see more films from Spanish directors, Latinx directors that arrive on streaming service with Big Thunder, but also back in just regular theaters. Once we start going back to theaters again, you know, we start seeing directors who are allowed to take more risk with with budgets that would be the hopeful situation for sure because i mean there are audiences for these films just like parasite has proven this year with the oscars that yeah so maybe this i mean even real women have curves has a mix of english and spanish which i think is great because that is the reality of the chicana community in east l.a there's a lot of spanglish in the community so why shouldn't we watch films like that that we depict real people one of the things i do like about this film is that it gave us america ferrera who's been great in pretty much everything that she's she's done and i know she's done a lot more television of late but she's still shown that she can be a, a big box office hit yeah she she really is good in this film and i it definitely was her breakup role and i'm just glad to see that she's doing a lot in terms of the work that she's done since even as a producer I know she's directing some of the um, episodes of Hentified on Netflix also depict the East LA community. So I recommend that, just throwing it out there. Uh, she's doing some good work. Trisha Cardoso, have you followed her career much since this film? Like, I know she's done a fair bit of television work. I think she had another movie in 2017, if I remember correctly, but I don't think I got a chance to see that yet. Yeah, I can't say I've followed her as religiously. I wish I had. But I know that she was sort of the director over at the Sundance's American program. So I think she tried to do a lot of work through that in terms of supporting other American filmmakers. Be interesting to see other filmmakers from, from that group, like, like Cardoso, come out and do more work. Mm -hmm. uh, was there anything else you want to bring up about this film? Uh, sure. There's a few more things. Not a lot. Just, I just want to highlight how much I love the music in the film. Oh, yes. Not just the original music, but the actual songs that they've picked because they're also, some of them are familiar to me. Some of them were new-ish. New but I also like how it complemented the film really well. And there's one scene that has to do with sort of the sound design that I really liked, which is there's a moment when they're in the factory and you all you hear is the sound of the machine. Oh, yeah. And the steam. And I found that scene from a technical aspect so, so well done. So I just wanted to point out that the, even from, from the design, the production design aspect of the film, there's a lot of things that you can actually appreciate about the film. It, it doesn't have to be just about the, the themes and the family. It is a nicely done film. Even with like the, the sounds of the, the factory, one of the things I, I noticed while watching is that factory feels really small. Yeah. Just in terms <laughs> of like the placement of the sewing machines and, you know, I know there's like various rooms and whatnot, but it just, it feels so claustrophobic. So it kind of gives you a glimpse of what that would be like as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a... Uh... I think it's probably a depiction of a smaller factory, if you will, but you can only imagine what it would be like if it was a bigger setting. And even even though she starts off with eight workers or so, because I know three of them leave. 
Yes, yes. It's still, even with theory, more more room uh, with less people, it still felt very, very tight quarters. Yeah, I think they did a good job in sort of creating that sense of space because if you notice, that is also in the house. The house is very lived in, but it's also, there's no space for people to actually have their individual space, if you will. Even in the bedroom, they're shared. Yep, that's right. You know, so I think that's also kind of kudos to the design team in creating that sense of space or lack of. Yeah, their their dinner table is very overflowing just in terms of like bodies. For sure. Or like when you're watching TV or, you know, like when the sisters are in the room and they, they each, they share the room. So those are realities of the community, but they're really well shown in how they design the spaces in that film. Reminds me of one scene I absolutely love, and it's, it's a bit of a throwaway scene, but when uh, Carmen is watching TV and she's talking about why Brazilian novellas <laughs> are, are, are the best type and then she recounts this story of a young woman who falls in love with this guy runs off gets pregnant and then gets hit by a bus right the whole part of the story is never always listen to your mother because if you don't bad things will instantly happen oh yeah for sure Classic. it's an amusing <laughs> scene that Carmen still finds a way to subtly throw in her obey me or else exactly I'm boss <laughs> yeah there's like I, I love that there's this little wonderful moments you know there's a lot of also awkward moments that that work really well in the film like when Anna and Jimmy go on their first date and oh, yes. she catches him looking at her breast and he, he has no way to to cover <laughs> little moments like that that I think are were nice touches I think so. And they're also real, right? Because they're both young 18-year-olds who have who want to explore each other. So mm-hmm. it totally makes sense. Yeah. And, and it also adds, I think, a richness to the scene where they're intimate later on. And mm-hmm. she's she's in front of the mirror and she's like, look at me. This is my body. This is who I am. Right. From that little awkward moment to a little powerful scene later on, it, it's a nice, nice through line. Yeah. And I think it's just nice to see scenes like that from like a moment's perspective, because that's not often how we're looked at. Right. So that that goes to the point of the male gaze versus the female gaze. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really good scene. I like that one, too. So Heidi, thank you very much for coming on the show. Where can listeners find you online? Thank you, Courtney. They can find me on the website highmusings.ca instagram it's high musings and facebook is high musings and of course twitter under my name heidi mo and that's heidi with a y by the way excellent uh listeners you can reach me directly at small mind on twitter or you can reach the show on twitter at changing reels ac and remember you can change the conversation on diversity and representation in cinema one reel at a time 